On the count of three, we're going to say hallelujah. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah! Oh, good job. Last week they said my microphone wasn't working. So this week they gave me the microphone and then they turned it up. So I don't know what. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we're going to stand our feet and have some fun this morning. We're just going to praise God. This is a new one that we've been doing the last couple weeks. And uh, we're just going to keep it fresh on your mind in your praise book, number 58. If you'll stand to your feet, there's still people coming in the sanctuary. And uh, we're just going to praise Jesus this morning in your praise book, number 58, with Keep on the Sunny Side. If you don't already know this, you'll, you'll catch on pretty quick. It's a lot of fun. going to keep on the sunny side, aren't we? How'd you guys like that song? That's awesome. Man. Well, Steve usually steps in right now and does the announcements, and we don't have but a few this morning. So uh, I heard the Ladies Fellowship met yesterday and had a great turnout and a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, and then I uh, want to make sure everybody realizes there's no Bible study this coming Wednesday night. 
no Bible study this coming Wednesday night, so and no potluck either. So, so if you come with your uh, potluck dish, you know that'll be what you take home. That'll be your supper. <laughs> Pastor Steve's out of town, uh, taking a chance to visit his daughter and his grandkids in Arizona, and he'll be back uh, later on next week. So uh, we'll have him back for next week's service, and he'll be here for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Uh, a big time that's coming up so uh, if you look in your bulletin I'm not going to read through this like he usually does but uh, you know there's a lot of things going on and uh, any, any of this that you look through if you have any questions you know you can catch just almost anyone around here and we can explain to you what's going on is there any specific announcements that we need to have this morning Saturday, this coming Saturday this coming Saturday a week from yesterday is men's Bible study, and PK always takes care of feeding you donuts and coffee. It's also women's Bible study. Also yeah. women's Bible study. So the men will be meeting in the nursery. The men will be meeting in the nursery, and the ladies will be meeting in the fellowship hall. Is that correct? Okay, great. Um, Alice Goodrich's service will be over at Lakeland Assisted Living over there across from the post office. It's not at our church, so don't come here. Good. Well, uh, I spent this week having my prayer time talking with Jesus, and it made me think of this song in your praise book number 30 called Just a Little Talk with Jesus. And if you're able, if you can stand one more time, We'd like to stand you up again and ask you to look in your praise book number 30. Just a little talk with Jesus.
Look in your hymnal at 186 in your hymnal. A great praise chorus. I can remember church camp days as a kid. We used to sing this, Lord be glorified. And we'd just be in a room where we'd been praying and uh, asking God to guide us. And we'd just start singing this. <laughs> so let's lift this up this morning. just lift this up to the Lord this morning. This is Amazing Grace, 343 in your hymn.
fourth verse when we've been there. Just bless us. Bless us with your presence now. We ask you to put a special touch on PK that he can be our prophet, delivering your message to us. Tune him up, Lord. Make his heart happy and lead him on. And open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts, Lord, so that his good teaching soaks in and gets where it needs to go in us. We thank you, Lord. Please, please bless Pastor Steve while he's away. Bring him back safe and, and rested. And just be with us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. 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 Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. One of my favorites, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to morning. PK, you're going to, you get a standing ovation out of this, brother. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to rock. That's right. PK is going to bring a great message this morning, and uh, he's going to bring some music to us too, and yeah, hopefully it just blesses your heart. 
Uh, no, our special canceled for this week. We postponed it, so you're going to be coming up after this. We're going to get the. Let's let's uh, pray. We'll ask God to uh, take care of our offering, and then uh, and then we'll bring you up after the musicians play. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just being in our hearts today. Thank you, Lord, for being in this sanctuary. Thank you for your spirit and your love. I ask you to forgive us where we fail you. Here you're giving us an opportunity to give back, Lord, so I ask you to help us take advantage of that. Help us give to your kingdom. And I ask that you bless this offering as it uh, spreads out all over this area and uh, help to be done with it what needs to be done to reach people for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. I think it's interesting that these last few weeks have seemed somewhat like, somewhat like a storm to many of us. So it's good for us to remember that, the God uses, that God uses our storms to help us become more aware of his presence, more certain of his grace, more trusting of his power, and more grateful for his love. Today's teaching is called In the Storm. It's a message that I recorded actually oh, about over a year ago, right here in the empty sanctuary because <laughs> the church was closed that day. And it's been revised greatly. I think you're gonna really like it. I think it'll help us all deal even better with the storms we're currently fighting and with the storms that are still coming our way. But first, a little story. An Army Airborne Ranger is leading, is learning how to parachute. His sergeant loudly barks out the orders. One, jump when you're told to jump. Two, count to 10, then pull the ripcord. Three, if the first chute doesn't open, pull the second ripcord. Four, when you land, a truck will take you back to the post. 
When they got over the landing zone, the soldier nervously jumped out of the plane. He counted to 10, pulled the ripcord, but nothing happened. So he pulled the second ripcord again, but nothing happened. On the way down, he started thinking to himself, oh great, I bet the truck won't be there either. <laughs> we have a little song for you this morning. This is Bobby Caldwell, my dear friend from Joy Chapel, where I used to have my church uh, downtown, Ashland. And she was one of the worship leaders, and she and her husband, Ross, stopped by a couple weeks ago, and I begged her to sing a few songs to me. So she's going to do the Inzy and the Outsy, which is the first song I sing and the last thing I, <laughs> song I sing. And uh, we're going to start out with one that I have always likened to uh, what Paul wrote to Timothy. He wrote, fan into flames the gift of God which is in you. <laughs> Isn't that great? Fan into flames the gift of God which is in you. Now if you're fanning it into flames, what does that mean? It's already burning. He's just trying to get you to do it a little, a little more so. Anyway, here we go. <clears throat> revive us. Revive us. Revive us with your fire. I don't have this turned on, sorry. always something. As sure as gold is precious and the honey sweet. So you love this city and you love these streets. Every child out playing by their own front door. Every baby laying on the bedroom floor. I can hear that thunder in the distance Like a train on the edge of the town I can feel the brooding of your spirit Lay your burdens down Lay your burdens down Every dreamer dreaming in their dead-end job Every driver driving in the rush hour mob I feel it in my spirit, feel it in my bones They're gonna bring revival, bring them all back home And I can hear that thunder in the distance Like a train on the edge of the town I can feel the brooding of your spirit Preaching when the well is dry To the lost soul reaching for a higher high From 
young man working through his hopes and fears To the widow walking through a veil of tears Every man and woman, every old and young Every father's daughter, every mother's son I feel it in my spirit, feel it in my bones Gonna bring revival, bring them all back home. And I can hear that thunder in the distance, like a train on the edge of the town. I can feel the brooding of your spirit. I'll get some donuts now. Ah, <laughs> oh, my favorite time. The Word of God. <clears throat> Would you open your Bibles, please, to Mark, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> Mark 4, 35. And the same day, when the evening was come, he said to, him, to them, Let us pass over onto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, Jesus, even as he was, into the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? And then one more verse, Mark Chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And Father, we thank you so much for your word. It's so alive and so powerful and each one of us feels and realizes something different than each other. So everything is personal. You know us like your little book itself, Lord. And we thank you for sharing the things we need to know and the things we need to hear through your voice and through this Bible in Jesus' name. Amen. The only, ship, the only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on a small inhabited island. He cried out to God to save him. 
and every day he scanned the horizon for help, but none came. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a rough hut and put a few possessions in it. But then one day, after hunting for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames, the smoke rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. He was stung with grief. Early the next morning, though, he's, a ship drew near the island and rescued him. How did you know I was here, he said. He asked the crew. Excuse me. How did you know I was here, he asked the crew. They said, we saw your smoke signal. <laughs> the moral of the story, just when you think things couldn't get worse, they don't. They get better. And we're going to follow that theme. You wait and see. In late October 1991, nine fishing boats were scattered around the icy waters of southeast, southeast of Nova Scotia in a last gasp, gasp effort to catch swordfish before the full blast of winter would end the fishing season. The ships were the Andrea Gale, the Lori Dawn, the Conship Holland, the Hannah Bowden, the Allison, the Miss Millie, the Seneca, the Mary T, and the Mr. Simon. 500 miles to the south, just above the coast of Florida, a late season fluke hurricane, named Grace of all things, is churning northward. Normally such a storm would come ashore somewhere in the Carolinas, but a huge cold front is keeping it out at sea, pushing it steadily up the eastern seaboard towards Nova Scotia and the fishing fleet. As a matter of information, a mature hurricane is by far the most powerful event on Earth. The combined arsenals of the United States, Russia, and China don't contain enough energy to keep a hurricane going for even one day. A typical hurricane encompasses a million cubic miles of atmosphere and could provide all the electric power needed by the United States for four years. During the Labor Day hurricane of 1935, winds surpassed 200 miles per hour and people caught outside were sandblasted to death. Rescue workers found nothing but shoes and belt buckles. So much rain can fall up to five inches an hour that soil liquefies and birds drown in flight. In 1938, a hurricane gen generated waves so big that the earth literally shook and seismographs in Alaska picked up the impact from 5,000 miles away. So Grace is headed directly toward the fishing fleet, but it's only part of the problem. An S-shaped phenomenon known as a shortwave trough, similar to a hurricane, is barreling across the Great Lakes at about 40 knots and picking up steam while headed on a direct collision course with Grace. And also, an Arctic cold front with continent-sized eddies called anti-cyclones because they, they run clockwise instead of counterclockwise is descending upon the fleet from the northeast. Commonly called nor'easters, these kind of huge, huge storms are known by another name by, among meteorologists. They call them bombs. On October 28, all three storms collide and converge just off the coast of Nova Scotia. And when they meet, they are, hurtled, they are hurtled eastward as if shot out of a thermonuclear cannon directly at the nine hapless ships. At this point, all nine of these fishing boats are about to face what author Sebastian Younger came to term the perfect storm, given this name simply because the conditions were absolutely perfect for the most terrible storm ever imagined. 2,000 years earlier, on the Sea of Galilee, 13 men in a boat are also about to face a terrible storm. Although this is still very early in Jesus' three-year ministry, crowds are following him everywhere, everywhere he goes. So Jesus has asked that his 12 disciples to set sail across the Sea of Galilee to get to the other side, and so they enter the boat and they take off. Verse 37 tells us, there arose a great storm 
of wind, a great storm of wind. And listen, great in, the, is, in Greek is megos, megos, as in mega hit, as in mega mucho. It is, means the literally maximum, utmost, greatest possible. The absolute maximum, greatest possible. So these 13 men are also about to face the maximum, utmost, greatest possible megastorm, the perfect storm. And suddenly, out of nowhere, winds so fierce that must have been able to, came hitting them was so hard, rocked the boat and waves so huge, they all but swamped the whole fishing boat. And verse 37 continues, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. The little boat is, little boat is full of water, and yet Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. Somehow all this water isn't waking him up. As a note, this is the only instance in the Gospels where we find Jesus sleeping. And the fact that he is not waking up, not even in this huge storm, implies Jesus is exhausted. And I think we know why. The Bible tells us just before they set sail, Jesus had been teaching all day long. He'd been standing in the same small boat, pushed slightly out to sea so the multitudes could see and hear him. And he, during this time, he taught the parable of the soils, the parable of the seeds, the parable of the tares, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the leavened loast. I'll tell you, that exhausts me. I, I get tired after it's one of my 22-minute sermons. You know? <laughs> anyway, Jesus is sound asleep on a pillow in the back of the boat, and the Bible says, verse 38, and the disciples awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the, great, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. There was a great storm, and now there's a great calm. So amazing things to note here. First, Jesus gets up and says to the storm, Peace, be still. In the original Greek, it essentially means shush, be muzzled, be muzzled, shush. Who's Jesus talking to? The answer, the prince of this world, the prince of darkness, or one of his ambassadors. Jesus is telling the powers of darkness to stop making such a racket. The, and what happened? The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. This is wonderful. Jesus has complete power over the rulers of darkness. You know, so often people imagine this great struggle between good and evil, but really there's no struggle between good and evil at all. Jesus just tells Satan to be muzzled and he slinks off like a frightened coyote. Too often, it's easy for us to forget the promise of 1 John 4.4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Never forget that. Greater is God inside you than any dark force outside of you, ever. It's huge. I've got Jesus in me, and evil cannot stand up to him. And I need to focus on remembering, greater is he that's in me than is in the world. It's no contest. It also says, our scripture says, and the wind ceased, and, the, and there was a great calm. I really like that. I like that. The, the calm wasn't only calm, there's a great calm. Great is the same word we used earlier. It's megos, meaning the maximum, utmost, greatest possible calm. So Jesus has taken the greatest possible storm and transformed it into the greatest possible calm. And many of us have found he does this in every storm. He creates a beautiful calm where everything once is again safe. He, he creates a beautiful calm where everything is again safe. 
Verse 40 says, And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? It's a great, it's a mega question. And we'll come back to it in just a moment. But now our, our scripture says, verse 41, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? When the perfect storm slammed into Nova Scotia, then into the fishing fleet, Sinus heard that it generated the highest waves ever recorded. 75 to 100 feet was typical, and every single ocean-borne instrument used for measuring wind velocity was destroyed. And yet, in this storm, only one ship, the Andrea Gale, was lost. All the others, the Lori Dawn, the Conship Holland, the Hannah Bowden, the Allison, the Miss Millie, the Seneca, the Mary T, the Mr. Simon, they were all saved. But why this one ship? Why this one ship? I think there are three probable reasons. First, I think there was a matter of pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I don't know much about Andrea Gale's captain, Billy Tyne, but I can tell you his decisions to ignore all the warnings about the severity of the storm seem to me some, to be somewhat prideful and bordering on arrogant. Pride says, this won't bother me. I can handle this. I'm not like other captains. I'm unique. Boom. No, you're not. Whenever pride steals in, my ship is doomed. Captain Billy should have turned his ship around, but let his pride sink them all. Here's how Alexander Solzhenitsyn puts it. Pride grows on the human heart like lard on a pig. Here's what Mark Twain says. Temper is what gets most of us into trouble. Pride is what keeps us there. Amen. So if I'm a person, if I'm in a storm, I need to ask myself, is my pride keeping me here? Is my pride keeping me here? Am I refusing help? Am I difficult to work with? Am I not listening to what people are telling me? Am I a hard-headed, prideful person? And is Jesus trying to break me of this? All good questions in a storm. So the first possible reason for why Captain Billy's boat sank is pride. The second, greed. The Andrea Gale had not caught enough swordfish to show a profit and did not want to return back to port only with, an empty, only with a half-empty hold. So even though Captain Billy is being warned by all the other captains, is being warned by the Coast Guard, is being warned by the huge waves, he decides to risk everything for one more day, for one more catch, for one more fish, for one more dollar. But folks, that's the very nature of greed. It's insatiable. It's insatiable. Ask any gambling addict. Ask any shopaholic. Ask anyone who's lost everything trying to win the Oregon lottery. In fact, ask me. I never thought of myself as greedy until one day I was out golfing after a heavy rain. At the ninth tee, there's a long fairway that doglegs left where there is a dense wooded area with a stream going through it. And most of us lousy golfers hit our t-shirts right, t-shirts, shots, sorry, right into those woods and a lot of them fall into the stream. Well, as I said, I, it, I, it rained very heavily the night before and carried about a thousand brand new golf balls into the woods and then down into a little pond just below the ninth hole. And I, my drive was okay, but I shanked my second ball and I went down to pick it up near the little pond and what I saw, I could not believe. It was golf ball heaven. There were, there were literally hundreds of brand new golf balls just waiting to be picked up. So what did I do? Did I call the clubhouse and report the find? 
Not exactly. I called my buddies and we started loading our pockets till we ran out of room. Started filling our golf hats till we ran out of room. Still stuffing our club covers till we ran out of room. Stuffing our golf bags till we ran out of room. We started dropping what our arms couldn't carry. In the meantime, there's a foursome coming up behind us and we have to start putting out pretty quick, but we can't stop loading the golf balls. I tell you, I was at first obsessed, then I was possessed, and finally I was depressed because I had to leave some balls behind. <laughs> the question, how many free golf balls is enough? The answer, I have no idea. We had to go putt out. There's an old golf joke, by the way. <laughs> when I was preparing this, I remember this. There's a husband and wife sitting in bed reading, and the wife looks over at her husband and she says, if something ever happens to me, do you think you'll get remarried? He says, gee, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know. She stops and thinks, will you let her move into our house? He says, well, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. The wife says, will you let her sleep in our bed? He says, look, I don't know, I just, I just, don't, I have no, maybe, I don't know. She says, will you let her use my golf clubs? He says, oh no, honey, she's left-handed. <laughs> Is that awful? Anyway, the Andrea Gale was sunk because of pride. These rules don't apply to me. Because of greed, just a little more and I'll be happy and because of the third, sloth. And here's the dictionary definition of sloth. Reluctance to work or make an effort. Laziness. One of my favorite proverbs, I love this proverb, is Proverbs 6.10. It reads, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Sure, just do nothing for a while, see what happens. <laughs> It's unbelievable. There's an old story that I've told before, and I, I know you've all heard it, but it fits this teaching so well I want to tell it again. There's a guy standing on his roof during a flood, and the water is steadily rising. A rowboat comes by, and the people shout, you better hop in with us, you're going to get swept away. And the guy says, no, I'm okay. My God is going to save me. A little later, the water is up to the eaves of his house. Another boat comes by and the people shout, quick, get aboard, the water's still rising and you're gonna get swept away. And the guy says, thanks anyway, but I'm okay. My God's gonna save me. Finally, the water's up to the peak and a helicopter comes by and hovers over. Pilot says, hurry, grab the rope ladder. The water's still rising, you're gonna get swept away. Guy says, thanks anyway, but my God is going to save me. Five minutes later, the flood sweeps him away and he drowns. When he gets to heaven, he angrily confronts God. He says, I trusted in you. I believed in you, and you just let me drown. God said, no, I didn't. I sent two boats and a helicopter to rescue you. <laughs> That's worth thinking about. That's worth thinking about. I didn't. You did. And two are... That's, that's me. Too often I don't contribute to my own welfare. Too often I'm too lazy, too slothful to do what needs to be done. I just sit back and expect God to do it all. You see, these fishermen were pooped. These fishermen had just spent endless hours laying out 40 miles of fishing line. Reel them in again? You must be kidding. But sometimes, we need to remember, birds don't stand on the ground with their beaks in the air expecting God to drop worms from, from 10,000 feet. They dig for them. And we all have to dig for things. If I'm in a storm, I need to dig for the solutions. 
If I'm in a storm, I need to dig for illusions. If I'm in a financial storm, have I cut up my credit cards? Have I stopped my frivolous spending? Have I made a budget? Have I looked for another source of income? Have I stopped gambling? And so forth and so forth. There are always ways I can get off my cot and contribute to my own well-being. I like the sweatshirt that actress Candace Cameron Bure was wearing uh, recently in an interview that said, trust God, but lock your car. It's <laughs> a great shirt. Anyway, the Andrea Gale was sunk because of pride. These rules don't apply to me. Greed, just a little more and I'll be happy. And sloth, God will do everything for me. And finally, back to the storm on the Sea of Galilee where the disciples are scared out of their minds. Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? Now, as I mentioned before, this is still fairly early in Jesus' ministry, about one year. So perhaps we can excuse the apostles' lack of faith, but let's note this. In this relatively short time, they have already seen Jesus perform more than nine miracles. They have already seen him turn water into wine at the wedding at Cana. They've seen him heal the nobleman's dying son. They've seen him drive out an evil spirit from a tormented man. They've seen him heal Peter's mother from a death-like sleep. They have seen him heal and cleanse a man stricken with leprosy. They've seen him heal a, para a paralytic who was lowered to him through a hole in the roof. They've seen him heal a man with a withered hand in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And they've seen him raise the widow of Nain's son back to life. And so we ask, why are they so fearful? How is it they have no faith? The answer, it takes time to develop faith. It takes time. You see, miracles are not generally a reliable base to build your faith on. Why? Because to a degree, all miracles are somewhat suspect. Remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and the Bible tells us many believed, but that means some didn't. That means some didn't. Why didn't they believe? Because they thought it was a trick. Even Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate Moses' miracle of turning his wooden staff into a snake. And this is why scripture says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen, not seen. I remember when I was pastoring my church and we were living up in the mountains and I was out and we had this wonderful jacuzzi on our deck and, and this shooting star went over. And I said, wow, that's amazing. Lord, do that again, testing him. Another shooting star went over. Do that one more time? I didn't believe just to him. One more time? No was the answer. <laughs> he didn't. I was left with that just wondering, what's, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Anyway, faith is not built on witnessing miracles. Faith is built on experiencing God's abundant love, grace, and blessings in our everyday lives. That's how it all works. So if I don't want my boat to sink, I need to deal with my pride. I need to deal with my greed. I need to deal with my sloth. And I need to take a good look at the foundation of my faith. What is the foundation of my faith? In closing, Mark 1 says, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. I love this. It's a new chapter, but it's really finishing the last chapter. They came over. They made it. They got to shore. They arrived safely, and so do we all. Here's a true story. 
about making and breaking, about the making and breaking of a struggling Christian. He writes, I saw him by faith. I found that as I hungered, he fed me. And so strong was my faith that I was sure the gates of hell could not prevail against me. It is by faith I have received atonement. It is by faith that I now have a son, the son of God dwelling in me. And it is by, his, it is by faith that I believe nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Two years later, this is what he writes. Two years ago I said I was a Christian, but I'm not a Christian. For a Christian is one who has the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, to name a few. But I have none of these. I have no love of God. And I know if any man loves the world, then the, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, I love the world. I desire the things of the world. For years I have yearned for happiness of just loving and being loved by another person. The joy of the Holy Ghost, I have not. The peace of God, I have not. My works are nothing. My sufferings are nothing. And my attempts at grace are nowhere to be found because I'm not a Christian. And gang, that's a pretty grim story. But here's the good news. Just when you thought things couldn't get worse, they didn't. They got better. After only a few more years, this man, John Wesley, became the founder of the Methodist Church. <laughs> he went from not being a Christian to the founder of the Methodist Church. I'd say he made a bit of a comeback. And he walked, he, in other words, his boat made it over, he arrived safely, he got to the other side of the storm, and he walked out onto the warm sand that was waiting for him. But here's the best part. Just like John Wesley, when we arrive on the other side of the storm, we are not the same person. We are not the same person. In the storm, we've grown. In the storm, we've changed. In the storm, we've learned. In the storm, we have been refined. And most important, in the storm, our faith has been validated. And that's the warm sand on that jersey journey. On a final note, several years ago, my wife Jeannie designed a great little t-shirt. On the front of it, she had this hilarious cartoon of Noah and all the animals celebrating on the deck of the ark with a big rainbow above them. Below, she had written simply this, all storms end. And so they do. So they do. One way or another, Jesus will always get us to the other side of any raging storm. Always, always. By the way, the Airborne Rangers second parachute did finally open and he was saved. But the truck wasn't there. <laughs> Let's play a song, huh? Come on up here. Now you, you've got instructions there not to sing with us. I mean, to sing with us on the first one. We're gonna let you come in on when we hit the second song. We're gonna do the first, I gotta turn this down just a hair or two. This is too loud. Sound control on my This is my very favorite Easter type song. <laughs> Were you there when they cried? 
Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful place that you've given us to meet. Thank you for all these really wonderful people you've brought together into the same room. Lord, we love you so much, and we hope that you are glorified in the meeting and the teaching today and in the music. Lord, thank you for all you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a very happy Sunday.